0: God can be in every area of our life. And and the reality is is that God so desires to be right in the very smack dab middle and getting invested in what you're interested in in just your life. We ask the question, what if God could be in our marriages? What if God could be in our families? What if God could be in our church and you know, I I don't know that there's one person that would say I don't want God Involved with my family or my marriage or in my church. But it seems as though when it comes to this one particular topic, we get real stiff and we bristle about the idea, can God get in my money? Because every other thing that we talked about, we said that God needs to be and must be invited Everything about us asking that question, what if God can be invested in our life, hinges upon an invitation. Two invitations for that matter. Number one, an invitation. Can I receive Christ into my life? Will you come into my life? Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. And then the second invitation is saying, God, get involved in my life. Get involved in my marriage. Get involved in every aspect of our life. And for that matter, God so desires to get right in the middle of our finances, in our money. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to increase. And so I'm asking you the question this morning, what would your life look like if God got in the middle of your money? Now, I realize that we live in a culture today that is extremely self-entitled. That everything is mine. It all belongs to me. And especially when it comes to money, we say, well, you know what? I worked extremely hard for this, and therefore I'm entitled to it. It's mine. Do you realize that with that entitlement, we forget the fact that it's God that gave us the very breath that we breathe? It's God himself that gives you the very next breath that you're getting ready to breathe. And without Him, we wouldn't have anything. Without Him, you might say, my job's not that good. My, my income isn't that much. If it wasn't for Him, you wouldn't have what you have. Isn't that right? You might say, it's just a little bit. But if it wasn't for Him, you wouldn't have the little bit that you have. In fact, for that matter, you know, the, the, the statistics show us that those of us that live within the United States, those that make $25,000 or, or, or more... If you're at $25,000, you're in the top 4% of the population that make the most money throughout the world. It's just because we've, got, we've become so entitled that we look at always wanting more and say, I don't have this and I don't have that. And therefore, we begin to become very entitled and say, there's got to be more. But God says, you're blessed already. And he wants to continue to bless you. Listen to what God says concerning his heart towards you and I in Psalms chapter 35 verse 27. He says, "Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants." Wow, I, I, I got to read that again. Do we got do we get that out? Did he turn me off? <laughs> Check one two. I think you can. Let me read it again. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say, continue. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Come on. If you're a child of God, then you're a servant of God. Right. And God takes delight in seeing you get ahead. Well, I've never been taught that before. Well, it's not a matter of what you've been taught or what church you were a part of. I'm just reading what the Bible says. Is that okay? He says he takes pleasure in you getting ahead in life. Well, you just don't want anybody to get a big head. You don't want anybody to get too big for their britches. Listen, life has a way of knocking you down a peg or two if you need it, right? Come on. God don't even need any help in that. Life will just knock you down a couple couple pegs if need be, right? But God takes pleasure in the provision and the prosperity of his servants. And then in Malachi chapter 3, here's what God says. He says, my desire is to open up the windows of heaven. He says, I'll pour out for you such a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it all in. And then he says, try it. Put me to the test. God's desire is for us to begin to increase and grow and to develop and to have Sufficiency in our life where we're not just barely getting a by. And he says his heart for us is for us to be blessed, and he says, I'll even pour out blessings in your life, and that word blessing means empowered to prosper. Come on, that's good news. Come on, we're all living in Flint, aren't we? Or in the surrounding areas. Do you realize that the the, the, the general means of the economy within this, this community or this county is less than all the rest of Michigan? I don't know if that's acceptable to you, but that's not acceptable to me. So the fact that God says, I want to empower you to prosper, gets me excited. Because that means that I don't have to be subject to the natural circumstances. I don't have to listen to all the naysayers and telling me you'll never amount to, you'll never become, you never can have. Because God says he wants to prosper us, empower us to prosper. And he takes pleasure in it when you get ahead in life. Now, your brother-in-law, sister-in-law may not. They might think, well, what makes you so special? Miss Goody Two Shoes. Think you're so hot. Come on, when we start serving God, people will start taking notice, right? Well, I'm sorry that my God loves me. I'm sorry that my God wants to take care of me. I'm sorry that my God wants to pour out blessings in my life. And he says, try me in this. Put me to the test. It's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. You prove me in this very thing because I'll do what I said I would do. I want you to succeed. I want you to have a blessing and increase in your life. And I find it interesting that we as people are so willing to make investments to get ahead in life. But when it comes to trust in God... For some reason, that is just such a scary thing. I mean, you'll go to the bank and, and you'll partner with the bank for 30 years just to live in a house. Well, yeah, but it's my house. No, it's not your house. It's not yours. Just stop making the payments. See what happens. Right? You say, but man, I've been invested in that thing for the last 20 years. No, you just rented for the last 20 years, and they're going to thank you for the rent payment. Until you make the very last one, it's not yours. But we're so quick to invest with somebody else to go to the bank and say, Hey, listen, I want a partnership with you, right? And it only gets them further ahead. Don't you just love the interest? Yep. Or you'll have individuals that they'll, they'll invest into the stock markets. Do you realize that the stock market is not a sure bet? And really that's what it is, is a bet. Is to say, well, I've got some cash that is really kind of extra. And so therefore I'll take this extra and make an investment in the hopes that I'll make some money on the back end of it. But what you're really doing is you're partnering with somebody else. And for that matter, you're partnering with another man. And how many of you know people can let you down? People can deceive you and lie to you. In fact, I know of a pastor friend. He had, I think he had like $150,000. And he started hearing this investment project. And it sounded real good because it was another preacher that was telling him about it. And so he pulled out $150,000 and made an investment Within just a few short weeks, he lost all that hundred and fifty thousand dollars. His wife was so mad at him, because <laughs> he didn't ask her. But see, he was willing to partner with somebody, and he lost a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But God is saying, Hey, try me, test me, see if I won't do the very thing that I'm asking or that I said I would do for you. We're so scared. To trust God in the area of our finances. In every other area of our life, we said, God, I want to invite you into my marriage. I want to invite you into my family. But we also got to invite him into the financial affairs of our life. (laughs) Now, you might be saying, I do that every day. God, (laughs) I need help. Come on, I invite you to help me out with my money. I invite you to help me get a better job. But when it comes to our finances, God's not looking for a verbal invitation. He's looking for a financial partnership. And he says, I will bless you and open up the windows of heaven that you don't have room enough to receive. He said, but the partnership is going to require an investment. Now, like I said, we're real quick to say, well, I would invest in a 30-year mortgage for the house. I'll invest 60 months for that car. I'll invest into the stock market. And you never know if you're going to have it the next day. But when it comes to partnering with God, we start to get a little bit squeamish. But God says, I want to be your partner. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you prosper. But I want to be a partner. The Bible says this in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you, God? And God says to them, In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, and you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse or the church or the temple, that there may be food in my house." And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake that so that he will not destroy the fruit of your grounds nor shall your vines fail and be, fail from bearing fruit for you shall uh, fruit for you in the in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So God says that the investment to trust him, to test him, to prove him, is to bring this thing called the tithe into the local church. And he says, when you don't do that, we're not in partnership. In fact, the Bible says that the tithe actually belongs to him. And therefore, when we don't bring him the tithe, he says, you actually robbed me. Well, let me ask you, if somebody came and robbed your house, how quick would you be to partner with him and say, hey, I just wanted to be a blessing to you. Thanks for stealing from my house. Thanks for, for, for stealing from my kid's mouth. Thank you from, for stealing from my kid's uh, uh, college fund. In fact, because you did that, I just want to bless you and help you. Would you do that? No. But what we oftentimes do is we fail to understand that God's wanting to partner with us. And he says it costs or it requires an investment. But all the while we're saying, well, God, can't you just do that without us being in partnership? Can't you just do that to help me? And God says, no, it requires a partnership. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 23 through 25 it says but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness and if therefore the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon or the word mammon is riches Verse 25 says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor what nor nor about your body or what you'll put on. So that scripture tells us that worry is the thing that begins to creep in and bring darkness. Now, I don't know anybody that would rightfully go to God and say, God, I'm going to choose to rob you blind. Would you? Oh, nobody would ever purpose to do that. But allowing worry to come into our lives. God, how am I going to make the ends meet? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to put uh, food on the table? How am I going to clothe the kids? And as I begin to worry, darkness starts to creep in. And therefore, my heart becomes loyal to this thing called riches... And if I let darkness come in long enough, then I make the choice not really to trust God. And I choose to withhold this thing called the tithe. Because God, what if I can't make ends meet? And God says, I just want to partner with you. I want to help you. I want to help you so much that you don't have to carry the worry about all the affairs of life. Will you trust me in this? Will you prove me in this? Will you allow me just to intervene in your life? And he says, all I'm asking for you is to trust me with a tithe. And you say, well, what's a tithe? The Bible says that tithe is 10% of increase or 10% of our income. Oh, dear God, you're talking about 10% of my income? How in the world am I going to make ends meet with 10%? Now, listen, God knows where you're at. And God also is the one that wrote this. And he says, this is the investment not to take a chance, not to just throw caution to the wind to see if it works or not. He says, I'm God. And I'm telling you, if you'll trust me, You can even prove me if you'll trust me in this thing called the tithe. He says, I will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. And people will take notice and they'll call you blessed. That's the heart of God. That's his desire. But now watch this in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He said, listen. I'm going to give you power to get wealth so that I can establish this promise that I've made with you. That I will take care of you, that I'll bless you, that you'll succeed, that you'll prosper, that you won't have a lack in your life. But that word power, he gives us power to get wealth. That word power is actually translated as wealth. So in other words, the word of God tells us that God gives us wealth to get wealth so that he can establish, prove his promise to you. You say, well, when did God ever give me money? You're hanging on to it. Every time you get a paycheck, you got it. Well, I work for that. Wait a minute. Did you notice that your entire paycheck is not yours? There's a thing called the government. That claims part of your income, right? Now, you might not like it, but there's really nothing you can do about it. Every week that you get a paycheck, they get their cut. They say, we're entitled to it, right? So, you're not using all that you have they just take it from you but still what you have or what comes through your paycheck part of it goes to them but God doesn't do that God says listen the government they take it from you i'm going to give it to you and leave it in your hand they require it from you i'm just asking that you trust me so you have the power Within your hands. The tithe is already in your paycheck. Therefore I'm letting you be stewards of it. And therefore you've got wealth. And upon trusting me with the wealth that is mine. That is in your hands. It will establish you to be able to get wealth. Try me. Test me in this. And see if I won't pour out blessings in your life. That you don't have room enough to receive. Come on are you seeing the partnership? God wants to be in the the middle of our lives. What if God was in my money? He wants to be but he needs to be invited. He wants to be but he looks for a partnership with you. He wants to be and he says but you make the investment. I've already given it to you to invest to begin with. Amen. When it comes to our lives, we fail to see just the benefits that we have. We fail to see how blessed we are as a people. We fail to see how good God has has already been. He gives you breath to breathe. He gives you a good life to live. He's given you a good spouse. Beautiful children. And the Bible says this. When we ask of God, Jesus said this. He says, you being earthly fathers know how to give good, good gifts unto your children. How much more does the heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his kids? Come on, how many of you, if it's within your power, tell your kids no? Very seldom, do you? If it's within your ability, well, sure, let's do that. My kid's big thing now is going to Skate land, roller skating. Can we do it? Can we do it? <laughs> we just did that last weekend. Well, can we do it again? Well, if it's within your ability, if it's within your time constraints, you'll do it, right? God's the same way. And God isn't lacking in ability. He's not lacking in resources. He's just looking for you to partner with Him and say, God, I trust you in this. In Acts chapter 10 We see of a man by the name of Cornelius. And the Bible says a certain man. And so many times we look at the Bible and say, well, it's just good stories. It's just parables. It's just fairy tale. But no, the Bible is very specific. It says there was a certain man named Cornelius, a centurion. And it says this man had a tender heart towards God. This man was a generous giver. But he had a heart to see God be real in his life. And then the Bible says that the Lord said to him, He said, Because I've heard your prayers and because of your generous giving, it has come up as a memorial before me. So, in other words, God says, It has blessed me. You've been a generous giver. And so, as a result of your generous giving, He says, I'm going to send Peter to come and minister to you and talk to you. And so the Bible says that Cornelius got his family and his closest friends. And the Bible says that when they got them together, Peter came and began to minister the gospel to them. They received Christ. And then the Bible says that the Spirit of God filled and fell out in that place. And it says that they were all filled with the Spirit because they had a heart to receive from God. And it all began With Cornelius, because a second time, because of your generous giving, I'm doing this thing. See, you don't realize how your giving is connected to your heart. Because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, we've often got that backwards. Where my heart is, there my treasure will be. No, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And the fact that he was giving and the very thing that he he did when he heard that Peter was coming. I'm going to go get my family and go get my kids. See, that was his heart. But it was connected to his giving and God ministered to where his heart was. Does God want to be in my money? Oh, yes. Does God want to be in my family? Oh, yes. Does God want to be in my marriage? Oh, yes. Money's connected to our faithfulness and our trust in God. God says, Cornelius, you've been faithful, you've been consistent, you've been a giver in this particular area. And because of it, I'm going to purpose to answer your heart's cry. What are you asking from God? What's more important than money? I want to see my family come to know Jesus. I want to see this community come to know Jesus. I want to see families grow in the things of God to where it's not just a religious thing that we do. I want to see people that are passionately in pursuit of a God that they want to know. God, what do I got to do? God, if I got to be a giver, I want to be a big, generous giver. Because I want to see you move mountains in my life. I want to see you move in my family's life. You realize when you become a giver, your giving gets out in front of you. Just like with Cornelius, the Bible says that because he was a generous, consistent giver, God started looking down the road and says, I'm going to send Peter to minister to your family. You don't realize that when you're consistently trusting God, God starts getting out in front of you. And he says, I'm starting to work things together. There's a job, a promotion that's down the road. There's a relationship down the road. There's a financial partnership down the road. And I'm setting it up because you have been consistent and faithful and generous to give. And so God begins to work on our behalf. Now, here's the thing. Most people want to be generous. Generous. I've never met a believer, a person that has a heart to serve God, that doesn't want to be generous. Because when you ask Christ into your heart, it just becomes part of your nature. You just want to be a giver. You want to be generous. So what is it that begins to hang us up? What begins to hang us up is just, as I said, concerning our giving can get out in front of us. Our spending has gotten out in front of us, hasn't it? 30-year mortgage, 60 months paying off the car. Well, I wanted it now, so I put it on the credit card. I can't even remember what I put on the credit card, but I'm still paying on it five years later. Right? Right? And it's because my spending started getting out in front of me. And therefore, even now that I want to be a generous giver, my spending is out in front of me. And I see all that is required. And therefore, it's difficult for me to trust God in this present circumstance because my spending is so far out there. And God says, why don't you just trust me? Why don't you just test me? Why don't you just make the adjustment to start prioritizing this area called giving? Trusting me with the tithe. I realize that many of us have much of our paychecks that are unaccounted for. My wife and I, we went to uh, eat just the other day. I think we took the family out and I don't remember what we I think we went to Red Robins. And it was good. And then later on in the day, I was doing something, so I stopped by McDonald's and bought a Diet Coke. And then shortly after that, I was hungry and it was late, so I stopped by McDonald's and got a McDouble sandwich. (laughs) I already ate out once in the day, spent money on it, but I ended up blowing money on other food throughout the day. And it's gone. How many times do we do that? And God says, I've given it in your hand. Oftentimes, we're just not appropriating it the right way. We could just make subtle adjustments, subtle disciplines, and as a result of that, God could begin to bless us. And you might say, well, that whole tithing thing is just challenging for me to, to even bite, bite on, and it's too big of a bite to chew. Then start where you're at. Start where you're at. If it's $25 a week, you realize that the average church tithing unit is only three or four percent. So in other words, everything functions on three or four percent of a church. So in other words, if you're a church of a hundred, it's three or four people that are really making things happen within the church. What if you had a hundred people that just said, I'm gonna give twenty-five dollars? That, by itself, would meet our budget on a weekly basis. Well, let's just take it a little bit further. What if you had 100 people that says, man, we're going to be tithers. And you could get out ahead and you could start doing things in the community. You could start making things move and shake because you had the revenue. But it all is a matter of saying, God, I trust you. And you realize I put that in concerning the church because the church is your family. The church... Is where you come and meet God. The church isn't just something that you do religiously. It's where we do life together. Loving God. Loving people. Loving life. And therefore your financial giving. Doesn't just impact the church. It's really impacting you. And your kids. The kids downstairs. They're in the kids ministry. And there's a big bounce blow up thing down there. In fact, I can kind of hear them squealing down there. And they're probably just having a time bouncing on that thing. I don't know about you. I've never had a bounce house in church. But your kids have a bounce house. I don't know if you think that's cool or not. I think that's cool. The kids think it's cool, yeah. I mean, isn't that awesome to think they're going to school tomorrow saying, we were in church we got to go in our new kids' room, and we had a bounce house in our kids' class. And the kids said, what? You got a bounce house in your kids' class? Yeah. Well, all we do is stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down in our church. And you got a bounce house? You get to jump up and jump down, jump up and jump down. <laughs> See, I'm just talking about those little things in which The church family comes together and it's all revolved around us saying, God, I'm going to trust you in my finances. I'm inviting you to be a partner in my life. And God says, I'm going to be a partner with you and I'm going to pour out blessings in your life that you don't have room enough to receive. I've got things working for you down the road next year, the next five years. If you only knew the blessings that's just around the corner, but I'm looking for you to be a partner with me. Will you trust me in this? Will you trust me and prove me? And God's just looking for you to take the next step. Can God be in my money? Absolutely. Because it impacts the rest of your life. Let's trust God. Amen. Let's see Him do miracles. Let's see Him move mountains. Let's be the church that isn't barely getting by. Let's not be the church that's struggling financially. Let's not be the church where people are beat up and barely getting by. Let's be the church that the surrounding area says, you truly are a blessed people. You truly are a blessed church. And it's when you start taking a stand and people see the blessing of God on your life, that they want to know the God that you serve. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to challenge you this morning and I'm going to pray for you. To challenge you to take that next step of trusting God at some place. You might think, well, the tithe is too difficult for me to to trust God right now. Then just trust God. What's the amount? What stretches you to say, God, this, this requires me to put a little faith on this thing, to trust you. And you begin to watch God move in your life. And this is my guarantee. This is my guarantee to you because I know that the word works. If you'll be faithful... To make an investment in God's system. To become a partner with Him. You will never regret it. I guarantee you right now. If there's times in your life where you're saying. I don't know how. We're going to make the next payment. If you'll step out and begin to trust God. Within just a short while. You'll say. I don't know how we're doing what we're doing. Because we've got monies going different places and part of that is going towards God. How are we doing what we're doing? And it's only because of the hand of God and the grace of God. Because you can never outgive God. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that anybody that heard this message this morning. That they didn't hear as a plea to get money. God, I thank you that you're guarding our hearts from being offended. For God, I didn't say anything that is outside of what your word says. But more importantly, God, I want you to speak loudly and reveal to our hearts that if we will trust you, prove you, put you to the test, that you will do what you said you will do. Because God, you can't lie. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't change. And therefore, God, we believe that you are meeting our needs. We are increasing. We are growing financially. Promotions are on the way. Bills are paid off. Debts are canceled. Gifts and surprises are on the way. Checks in the mail. God, I don't know how, but I know that you have begun to work on our affairs of life right now. Because we invite you jesus name and everyone said amen don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.